0: This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast.
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. As always, my name is Joseph Nagy. I'm joined by my co host, Brandon Wirth. Hello. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, for the late upload. We had a couple appointments we had to make on Tuesday, but we will be back scheduled as regular tomorrow, Thursday at 11. So tune in then. We have a very special guest today, our good friend, Lyndon. Lyndon, how are you doing today, buddy?
0: I'm doing great. How's everybody doing? Not too
1: bad. Thanks for coming on
0: the show, man. No problem. Happy to be here.
1: Another day, another dollar, baby. Well, Joe, let's get right into it. No time to waste. Definitely. Ferris Sports Report for this episode today the Gleak tournament for basketball got kicked off yesterday night. Men men's and women's both made the tournament. However, it was kind of an uneventful uneventful couple of games, not uh not the outcome that we wanted to see, but what are you guys thoughts on it so far?
2: Yeah, it was it was just a day of just somber sadness. We had so much high hopes and we both of the girls and guys teams fell to Northern and Wayne State. First with the girls against Wayne State. Two points. Yeah, I got
0: excited there. They had a late comeback, uh, but Wayne yeah. had six point three pointers in the second half, which really closed the gap.
2: Yeah, it was just one of those games where, where we're holding on to all the hope we have, and then by the end, we're getting there, we're getting there, we're getting there, we're getting there, and it just comes up short. And, yeah. And when
1: the tough part about it was is that last pick on Mallory McCartney when they were able to get that last second shot to kind of seal the deal. It was a moving it was a very it was <laughs> yeah. very it was a close to being a legal screen, but I mean that's just kind of off eyewitness testimony and stuff like that. But I mean I kind of feel just being a Ferris st- student or a fan, I feel like they kinda got gypped out of it. I mean that should have it was kind of a in my opinion, a bad call, but I mean, you really can't do much when it's such a close game. I mean the refs the refs adrenaline are going high as well, so I mean you can be like, "How did you miss that call?" But also, they're looking for so many different things during that during that time in the paint and everything else. So I mean, you really can't you can't dog on the refs too much. I guess you could say. Yeah. But I mean, it was it was a bad call. I mean, <laughs> that was kind of a blatant one. Yeah, for you and to
2: miss. it's Missed calls are gonna happen. Officials aren't perfect. We know that. Sometimes the worst moments are when these mistakes happen, and they get all the criticism in the world, which. It's sad that these games have to come down to, oh, well, if this call would have happened, they would have changed the game. And we say that in all sports. I mean, you take it to some of the famous ones recently, Des Bryant's catch. I mean, there's just these events where it's like, it can change a season, but it just comes down to, it. we're all human. I yeah, mean, right. a bad call can happen at any time. And especially with these officials, they got everybody in the stands looking at them. And whatever they do, there's going to be a hundred it doesn't even thousand people make doesn't
1: even matter if they make the right call either It'll, they'll get scrutiny no matter what oh
2: happens. no it's their, they want their team and they'll do whatever it takes <laughs> to win it's funny because there's
1: a there's a guy if I'm not gonna I'm not gonna describe him because people might be able to recognize him but every every call the the refs make he always stands up and and yells as loud as he can about what what they're doing wrong and how he'd fix it but hey, hey he's just doing his job yeah. I mean, it was kind of. I mean, back to the game though. Uh, it was a 78 to 76 loss. Wayne State able to move on in the Gleeck tournament. Uh, some of the top scores for Ferris were Riley Blair, as always, 27 points. Adrian Anderson scoring 14. Malia McCartney with 12, uh, and it's kind of spread out after that. A couple girls with five, four points. Um, Renee Sternum, Renee Stern, excuse me, had nine. We've seen a lot. I mean, it, we can't really knock the girls' effort. They did a really good job. It was like one, I, in my opinion, some of the best basketball that they've played so far. Um, just kind of like how much they, how hard they played as well. But, I mean, when you look at Wisconsin Parkside, they had four girls with double-digit points.
2: Yeah, that's can that's steady, consistent scoring. That's exactly what you want. I mean, looking at the game, Mallory McCartney didn't have the best shooting night, and we can't blame her for that. This stuff happens. You Sometimes the ball doesn't go in the hole, and mm-hmm. some days it's on the worst of days. I mean, looking at the game, both teams shot around 40%. Wayne State shot a little bit better, and a little bit better caused two more points. Yeah. It happens.
1: It's tough, but when you look at the Gleeck tournament coming up after this, March 7 is the next couple games. Wisconsin Parkside is going up against Ashland. Ashland is the favorite. They haven't lost a game yet so far this year, and uh, if – Wayne State moves on after beating us, Ferris. Uh, They go on to play Grand Valley State. That's a game that I wish—this is the reason that I really wish we would have won the game because it was been kind of like that Anchor Bone classic again, you know, just some of the toughest parts. But it's going to be in Ashland. Uh, Both games are there. It's going to be tough. I'm kind of excited to see how this ends up, who's going to get the GLIAC bid to the tournament, who's going to win the championship. But I'm pretty excited. But, fellas, the men also fell in their first GLIAC game to the Northern Michigan Wildcats. 70-69, to 69, it was a heartbreaker. Dadgummit.
2: <laughs>
1: I want to say that we could have done a lot of things differently, but there's really not much you can do when that close of a game. Yeah. yeah.
2: Walt had 32 points, and the rest of our starters had 12. Yeah. It's hard.
0: Yeah, during that game, Northern had 11 turnovers, and Ferris did not take advantage of any of those, and it was just it didn't work out the way Ferris wanted it to. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. And like when you look at it, uh, number three for Northern when we played him the first time, he proved to be a problem. He scored a lot of threes. But Sam Taylor, his hands are ridiculous. Yeah. Any ball that was like maybe in a five foot radius, he snatched right up. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, when we couldn't capitalize on those mistakes that they did, that's what Northern really prevailed on against us. Is that when we had turnovers, they made it sure they made sure to go down to the other sco- other side of the court and score the bucket. So. I mean when we had I think like five occasions where there was a or close to five occasions where there was a turnover but we couldn't even get couldn't even get a bucket from it.
2: Yeah, yeah. capitalization was key and we just we didn't capitalize enough. We didn't take advantage when we needed to. And there's a lot of second chance buckets as well. I mean Dorian and Louis
1: had I think four or five or he had a lot of offensive rebounds, but when he'd kick it out, we'd miss the shot and then it would go right back to Northern and it's it's just tough to see to just see how much effort that these guys have put in so far throughout the year, just to be knocked out. And I mean, that just kind of gives a testament how good the Gleeck is. Because although Northern's a, Northern's a, the eighth seed of the tournament, they're one of the best teams in the Gleeck. That that whole that whole spot from ranging from like one to ten, any of those teams could beat each other.
2: Oh yeah, like uh, I believe it was Northwood upset um, Davenport, and the tournament as well. And Davenport was definitely a favorite in that game, but Northwood had home court and they took advantage of it. It's when the Gleak tournament starts, it's it's anybody's ball game. Anybody can win. It's March. Madness happens. We know this. Mm-hmm. We've watched how many years of NCAA tournaments where Cinderella will prevail at some point. It's a matter of who and it's a matter of when. And uh also I think one kind of another sort
1: or another factor I think that kind of affected Fair, like th- not the way Ferris played, but just kind of maybe like the demeanor of the team uh Mitchell Peterson, Michael Peterson's brother is like an honorary member of the team. He wasn't there um last night for the game. i th- uh, was talking to our friend Isaac he's a uh, manager on the team um and he had uh something with his caretaker to get uh taken care of and you know with i've I've realized how those guys rally around Mitchell and just like what the, what he kind of means to the team already. And it's just tough when you have that person who's always rooting for the team and who you have. It's tough to lose that, that type of anchor that you have, really.
2: Yeah, and we had a great fan base behind it as well. We had oh, 1,200 people was the, the estimate in attendance. So we did have a crowd behind us, and they I, we appreciate them sticking by us, especially through that sort of a game where it was just – it's not one of the ones that you plan on going to watch and you're 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 expecting something high powered, electric plays. There this game was kinda kinda sloppy, a little gritty. Right. Where it's not it's not one of those games where you're just in awe of watching the game where it's more, yeah, who's gonna who's gonna get out of the mud and who's gonna prevail in the end is really mm-hmm. who's gonna win the game.
0: Yeah, with Waltz scoring thirty two points it was just heartbreaking just to lose by yeah. one.
2: And I had a lot of people talk to me that he should have got the ball more and it it's one of those you kind of are like, I mean, he has got 20 nearing, shots up. Yeah,
1: nearing nearing halfway through the second half, there was times where we were struggling. we just give it to Walt. He'd drive to the corner, make a little jab step, and then pull up a mid-range and knock it down. Yeah. And he was a guarantee from that spot, but it's it's just tough when we have that, that one person. They started to double-team him and just kind of lock him up a little bit, and Logan Ryan with that – He's able to kind of get inside and has a little bit of a hesitation spin move and then is able to get kind of like a little baby hook uh, right online with a bucket, but that really wasn't falling for him last night either. And it's just tough when you have those guys who usually are the guaranteed source of where you can get buckets, where you can get points that don't, you don't produce like they usually do. And, you know, everybody has an off night. It just depends on when it's going to happen. And unluckily, it kind of happened. For a lot of guys, it kind of happened all in the same night, which is just... Yeah, I mean Dor- Dorian usually puts up at least ten, twenty points a game, and he came away with only three points. Dangering with four, Logan with five. I mean that's just tough because it that those guys had the off nights right, right all on the same night.
2: Yeah, I mean D'Angelo and Dorian both are key starters. They're the ones that get us buckets. They they combined for three points and were oh for thirteen from the field. It's one you we can sit here and say, well they should have played better. They should have played better. But I'm a firm believer you can be the best player in the world and have an off night like they did. It's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And the worst case is it happened in a scenario like this. And we can't do anything about it.
1: And you know, like we said, Northern kinda of capitalized on those opportunities where if they didn't capitalize it could have gone different ways. I mean, Sam Taylor, number three, he had twenty one points. Their center, Ben Wolf, with twenty two. Uh, one of their forwards had fourteen. That was a really great performance from their starters, and they just kind of Although they were down, it always seemed like they were in the game. Especially when we had those twelve point leads, it was just like you'd look up at the at the score and it would be like fifty to f- fifty to forty, but you'd be like, "Wow, like they seem like they're a lot closer than they actually are."
2: And, yeah, but this isn't the end of the world. There is the tournament. Definitely, yeah, we for do V2. we
1: do have we do have a chance to get back in the tournament with the record that we do have. Um, it just kind of comes down to I think if we went farther in the tournament, maybe maybe if. If we made it to next round, we might have had a more guaranteed spot, but it's going to come down to how other teams perform, who's going to get knocked out in their other tournaments that we might be tied with. But I'm hoping that we make the tournament, but right now I see our chances as pretty slim.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've both teams have played phenomenal all year. Both had an off night. I don't think that the tournament selection committee is going to hold that against us. Definitely. I it, It's one of those situations where you're like, okay, we're not going to get the seed we want, but we're still going to get in. We're still going to play, and that's the bottom line. So I feel like we have both have a good shot to get in, and we're wishing them the best and that we get a good draw. Definitely. And coming up in the
1: GLIAC tournament so far on March 7th as well, Michigan Tech takes on Grand Valley State and northern Michigan, going to play Northwood. Two teams that have beat Ferris, I think that's going to be a really good game. They're playing in Allendale um, at the Grand Valley State campus. I'm pretty excited for that one as well, but – Moving on to our predictions from last week with our, uh, with our college basketball matchups.
2: Oh, I was just going to – one small interruption. I have to shout out my fellow Bulldog runners at conferences. We had some national qualifying performances, so I just want to shout them out really quick. Stanley, Stanley Williams, former football player, also long jumper, he jumped 7.2 meters, which that is about 23 feet, I believe. He is now going to the national meet. That's two. That's more than two basketball hoops. We yeah. That's that's a long way. So shout out to Stan, women's DMR team. We got second overall, including beating the Lakers, which was epic. Yeah. Get that Grand Valley. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but they're going to nationals. They ran in 11:51. Um, Taylor Thrush, Caitlin and Kylie Hutchinson, career, uh, Carissa Schur and Katie Elamaki. They did a fantastic job. And then, um. Katie also made it in the – she was fourth in the 3,000. Um, Sydney Dawes, Carissa ran well in the 800. Uh, Our guys, uh, 14 – or sorry, 14, what the heck? 1,600-meter relay team uh, picked up some points as well as our DMR. So we ended up doing – we had a great meet, and a lot of our runners are going to the national championship, so check that out. Very nice. Congratulations to those Bulldogs. Absolutely. So now moving into our games, the first one we got – is the Miss the Wisconsin Michigan game? I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this. No, it was. I'll just say this. I'll put it in simplest terms I can. We did not put the ball in the hole, and Wisconsin did. Is that fair? I mean, that's basically the premise of the game. Yeah, but Wisconsin could not miss. That's what I'm saying. We played okay. Yeah. We didn't. Okay, and there was moments where we well with 11
1: for 23 from three pointers. You're, you're how, do you, how do how do how do you play against you don't that? don't really when we only had three.
2: Yeah, how how do you play against the team that knocks down half their threes and shoots over 20? Just going
1: by that alone, they more than ten times our score there. But I mean, and when you look at it too, I mean, they went 29 for 54 from field goals. Although we went, we had more field goals than them, it came down to the three ball.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, they've been looking good. Uh, they had a five-game winning streak, and they've never trailed during that game.
2: Mm-hmm. So. Yep. You hate to see it, but you hate um, to see it. I believe is Demetric Trice, twenty-eight points. He was fantastic. Played. He had. He was phenomenal. We give the ball in his hands. I was getting a little nervous because you know he was going to put up a good shot. Micah Potter. I did. I did not really look into him that much. He stepped up huge off the bench. He had eighteen points. There, um, I believe it was um, Reavers. Reavers, yes. He only had two points. He's our starter. Mm-hmm. But Micah Potter played much better and kind of picked up the slack there.
1: And lean Ford, too, as well. With yeah, Aleem Ford, he, he as well. it up, as well.
2: Yeah, those, a lot of guys that you don't normally see putting the ball in the hole. I mean, obviously, we see Trice put the ball in the hole. Davison really wasn't that much of a factor. He was only two of seven. Pritzel was one of six. Those are kind of their normal uh, tandem guards. They'll usually combine for 20. But it was kind of just... Demetri Trice in the guard department but the forwards picked it up like you said Ford and Potter were huge
1: definitely yeah, when I mean when you look at Michigan side I mean Xavier Simpson led the team with 32 but other than that I mean Franz Wagner only had 17 well I mean that was like their second best score was with 17 everyone else there's no one else over 10 points
2: yeah livers was three of ten uh, Te- uh Johns was two of six and Teske was three of five. Uh, that, it, that's how I feel right now. I just it's, don't. I it. I don't really know what to say.
1: But come w- tournament time, wait till tournament. We'll make the tournament. Yeah, we're chilling. We're chilling. Yeah, chillin'. Absolutely. We're a tournament
2: team. Tournament team. One hundred percent. We're a tournament team. But it was. I was not impressed by Teske. I I'm. I'm really trying to look forward to a game where Juwan's gonna put Davis in to start. I'm not biased against, like, Teske. I don't hate him. It's just, like, I want to see what Davis can do with, I mean, he only had nine minutes. The guy's been a pretty big key to come to turn games around in the post, and he only played nine minutes. I mean, I don't don't really know what to say other than that.
0: Yeah, going back to what Joe said, both teams, I think, are, Teams that you need to keep an eye on during tournament time.
2: Oh, absolutely! I'm, I'm yeah. very excited.
1: Absolutely, this. Like is- when we said a couple episodes when the Big Ten was going to dominate the yeah. big dominate the tournament. Oh, we weren't it, kidding. Yeah, it's a it's a legit it's a legit statement. You guys don't believe us? I mean, it's. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't want to feel like I'm like beating the same old drum or whatever. But like, the Big Ten is the most com- competitive conference in my opinion like they're
2: dangerous. I 100% agree. What's better than the Big 10? I mean, honestly, like, you have so many teams that could do
1: so well. I yeah. mean, there's eight what eight teams in the big in the tournament right now. Yeah, pretty. I think that's the most out of every most like out of every conference.
2: F- the top like four or five teams all are like one game within each other. And Maryland lost last or last night with Michigan State pulling out the win against Penn State. Now they're leading. And Penn State was leading by like three games like two weeks ago. What what just happened? It, this is it's, wild. It's such a <laughs> flip-flop of whoever's going to lead, but... Man. It's
1: ridiculous. But as you said, Maryland and Michigan State, uh, we're going to transition to their game. Michigan State able to hand the Maryland Terrapins their first home loss. Well done. Well yeah, done. I not want to give my a clap. I mean, I'm not... What? But, okay. Really? I, I mean, mean, I don't want to be... I'm a Michigan fan. That, that, I don't like this. Day. That's fine. I mean I am too, but anyways, but hey. Be- besides the point. <laughs> let me talk, Brandon. Besides the point, uh, Spartans really did well on the floor. Four guys over ten points. Rocket Watts with thirteen. Cassius Winston with twenty. Um Xavier Tomo with fourteen and Malik Hall with sixteen. Um they did really good compared to Maryland. They only had, I think it was three guys with Jalen Smith with twenty. Here's their mouth Anthony Cowell with thirteen. Um but when you really look at it, it uh Michigan State, like we said before, the three ball comes down to who's going to most likely win the game. And they went had they doubled their amount of three-pointers that they made.
2: Yeah. And Michigan State, they've been streaky this year. And we it's fair to say that. They're not as consistent as, like, the Draymond Green teams, the Denzel Valentine teams. They're not like, we're going to win, we're going to keep winning, and we're going to keep winning. And then once we go to the tournament – we're gonna win some more. It was it was never a question that they were gonna drop a lower type game. Where this year been a completely different story. They've they've lost some bad games. It seems like they had a stretch with three or four losses in a row, but they're starting to turn around at this at this time of the season. And it's crazy to see because now Maryland was thir- this was their first home loss, like you said, Joe. They were 13 and five at the conference at this point, and now. Michigan State, with the the circumstances that happened in the Tuesday night or in the Tuesday night game, this is now Michigan State in the lead right now in the Big yeah. Ten. I mean, Cassius Winston, he's been playing phenomenal last couple games. Xavier Tillman as well. Xavier Tillman does not get enough recognition for what he does. I firmly believe that. I mean, the guy he, is—he's
1: probably going to be one of their big factors come tournament oh, time. Oh, absolutely, think. He's be one of the guys who who kind of pushes them past where people are going to expect them to go.
2: Yeah, 100%. I mean, he had 14 in this game against Maryland, and Winston had 20. And I'm not throwing disrespect at Cassius Winston. He's still one of the best point guards in the country. It Mm -hmm. pains me to say that, but he is. But Xavier Tillman's been a big reason why they've turned this around. He's been huge. Offensive boards, putbacks, just doing all the dirty work. Putting in buckets down low, old school style, bully, you could say just bullying the paint really is what he's doing because I mean he's not really that he's kind of a finesse guy but he's more of a power guy but he he's doing all this dirty work and it's shaping their offense to where now you got Rocket Watts, Cassius Winston, and Aaron Henry on the outside just waiting for the ball and when you got that spacing good things are going to happen for how fast and athletic that Michigan State team is. Definitely.
1: Well, and then on to our next game, we'll transition to the Auburn Tigers and Kentucky Wildcats that we talked about. Kentucky able to pull out the win. It was a top-25 matchup, 73-66. to 66. This is a pretty good game to watch, not going to lie.
0: Yeah, Kentucky ended up clinching the SEC.
2: Yep, this was Kentucky, i say the same thing. They play like identical in Michigan State, not as dominant as they have been in years past, and they've dropped some bad games as mm-hmm. well. And not jumping the gun or anything, but Tuesday night, they lost to Tennessee at home after leading by 19, but they beat Auburn. What do you say? I mean, (laughs) what do you say about that? It's just, there's, it's making this tournament so exciting because nobody is going to be that consistent dominant force. I mean, the most dominant force right now is Kansas and. I personally have never been sold on Kansas being a one seed ever because they've been inconsistent in some previous tournaments. Mm-hmm. So this should be really exciting.
0: Yeah, there's no like Zion or RJ Barrett in this yeah, tournament.
2: Yeah, there's at not all. a
1: team where it's like filled with guys you know are going right. to be successful yeah. in the league.
2: Yeah, like I thought Baylor was going to be the dominant team, like by far. Put them in the one spot. Put them in pen right now. But whoops. That, yeah, would, that would have been ever, a bad decision. Ever,
1: I think it, the tide started to change ever since they lost to Kansas. Yeah. Like, once they started that, that's kind of like when people were like, okay, like, they're not they're not really the main bid to win it all this year, or to go very far this year. Like, it's going to be more spread out. But, yeah. I mean, when you look at Kentucky's performance, they had four guys with over 10 points. Um, Emmanuel quickly, 12 rebounds, 18 points, 39 minutes on the floor. He had a very efficient game. He had a big impact. Um, but I mean Auburn. When you look at it, only two guys. It was kind of spread out more, but only two guys over ten points, with everyone else kind of spread out. With I mean nine, eight, six. I mean it's kind of tough to do that when you got a guy that has twelve point eighteen points and twelve rebounds.
2: That's just kind of dominating on the other side. Yeah, they shot thirty six percent from the field. Uh, twenty. They shot twenty six percent from th- um three, and fifty nine from the line on twenty. They were thirteen of twenty two from the line. They couldn't put the ball in the hole, and Kentucky they they didn't do bad from the free throw line of the twos. I mean, they struggled a little bit from three, but they just found a way to put the ball in the hole, getting easy buckets with free throws. And absolutely. Auburn just did not seem like they could do that. Yeah, Auburn
0: got off to a strong start. They were had a twenty to eleven score, and then Kentucky just overpowered them.
2: Maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's absolutely a great point that. Auburn was winning this game for most of the part and Kentucky just they seem like they always find a way to either be up by a lot and make the game close again they'll they'll their lead will fade, they'll let up or something or they'll be down 20 and then just claw their way back. It's mm-hmm. just kind of like a reverse psychology kind of thing. I don't Definitely. it's just you know that's going to be a game at or like it's going to be a game by the end of the game with Kentucky's involved cuz you don't know if they're going to hold on to the twenty-point lead, or they're going to come back from the twenty-point lead, it can go either way. But I mean, Auburn has been—they've been a great basketball program over the last couple of years, which is a lot of people three years ago. If you would have said Auburn was going to be one of the top teams in the country, would have said, "What? Um, are you sorry? I you're talking about talking about football?" No, no, no. I'm talking about basketball. But it's just crazy. I mean, shout out to Bruce Pearl—he's really turned that program into a mm. dominant basketball school, along with their football program. It's going good. Obviously, this isn't the outcome they wanted, but this is still, the season is not over. Conference tournaments are coming up, and there is going to be teams that are on the bubble and that they will make the tournament. I don't. I think Auburn is going to make the tournament, as well as Kentucky. Both of these teams are good enough that they're going to be dominant forces in the tournament.
1: Mm-hmm. And finally, the last Big Ten matchup that we're going to be covering, today, or that happened last week, or yesterday, excuse me. Sorry, I can't talk today. You're good. Was the Michigan State Spartans versus Penn State and Lions? Michigan State able to win seventy nine to seventy one. Uh, both teams are twenty one and nine on the year. Uh sixteen or Michigan State's ranked sixteen. Penn State was ranked twenty. Once again, Xavier Tillman, Cassius Winston, they were kind of the big uh big factors in the game. Rocket Watts again had a really good game with eighteen. But Xavier Tillman, like you said, he's kinda of like the guy who doesn't get a lot of recognition, but he was basically one of the big forces in the game with twenty three points and fifteen rebounds. I mean, how can how can Penn State stop that?
0: Yeah, like Brendan said earlier, Michigan State is streaky. They had a good game against Maryland, but you know, they had fifteen turnovers against Penn State and they just didn't look the same.
2: Yeah. And I'll say this, I watched this game. This Michigan State won this game, but Penn State blew this game. Right. They were up 46-31 at half. They looked extremely strong. Came out in the second half. They started shooting threes like crazy. Like four, five straight possessions shooting a three. Yeah, 10 for 30. Like, it was like, wait a minute. What happened to Penn State basketball? What happened? Like, you get, they were getting it down inside. They were moving it inside out. They were driving. They were playing the game aggressively, and then they just changed to conservative starting to shoot threes. I, I just didn't understand and that. That's, that.
1: Where, that's where I think they kind of made that big mistake because, I mean, when you take 30 shots and only make 10, although that's 30 extra points that you put on the board, that's a lot of chances that you can get down inside and get something going because, yeah. I mean, when you look at it, I mean, they, they, they dominated they down low. Why would you stop? That's just kind of like. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But yeah. then they go change their game
2: plan, and it just doesn't make sense. I don't know what happened, but <coughs> if there's one thing we know. Is Penn State was leading by 15 and a half, and then they end up losing by 8. Right. Not in a but- nail-biter, by 8. Like, this game was going to be pretty much over. I mean, Penn State, once this game was close, they were starting to really battle it out. Xavier Tillman played well at, like, rocket watch shot 20 times that surprised me like how aggressive he was he was 7 of 20 2 of 10 from three he was really being aggressive trying to forcing up shots yeah maybe there were some good shots there's some bad ones obviously but Cassius was very efficient he kind of took the game over when it needed to with that and one I, I still don't know how he made that that was pretty impressive but like fading away from the basket off the top of the glass just like that once that moment happened it was just like yeah, Michigan State's gonna win this game. There's just no way Penn State can come back after moments like this. Yeah. But credit Lamar Stevens. He pulled. He played his heart out. I mean, he had I believe it was 15. Yeah. 15 six rebounds. He was three of 19. Yeah. Like, even
0: though um State won the game, I think this is gonna affect their seeding. They might move back a little bit.
2: Yeah. I they were I believe last time we talked on the show, Joe, I believe they were a four seed in Lenardi's version of bracketology, mm-hmm. but. I, I thought that was a little high and I think now we're starting to see yeah they're not this elite like dominant team like they were showing before. They're starting they to go, been, yeah. yeah, they're starting to go back down a little bit. And that's not saying that they're not a great team, but their true value It's not like they're going to be a team that
1: people don't have to worry about. Yes. It's going to be like it's yes. going to be where if you get matched up to play against Penn, Michigan State, excuse me, you're going to have to play a very good game of basketball.
2: Yeah. Definitely going to and I mean, the one thing that you want to think about with this Penn State team is their grittiness is what's going to keep them in games, but their shooting is might be the difference between them being Final Four team rather than maybe round 32-16 and maybe out because that's been kind of their struggle point. Like, they shot 33s. That's kind of uncharacteristic of them a little bit. They made 10 of them. I, th- I think if they stay back to that game plan of just
1: going to the inside and and working it like you said, Brandon, I think I think they'll probably be sitting pretty for the for any team that they play against. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, and then uh, Penn State should be moving up. I am I think they'll have, do good in the tournament as well, and I think that they deserve
2: it. Yeah. All, every, all these Big Ten teams for sure are definitely going to be the teams we're watching in the NCAA tournament because we've watched them play. We know how good they are, and we really know how they can play in these kind of environments in these big games because there's been a lot of games where – it's a sixteen. Like this game was a sixteen versus a twenty in the AP rankings, but it was a pretty even matchup because I mean, it, obviously it was a blowout at the beginning and then a blowout at the end. But how these teams are characteristic, they're kind of opposite. I mean, Michigan State's not an aggressive team like Penn State is. They're more of a, I would say, not like a finesse, like but, a methodical type. Yeah, team? Yeah, like they're they're gonna they're gonna drive. They're gonna sh- like kick out. They're gonna shoot. That's kind of like their I wouldn't say their memo, but they, they really love to use the pick and roll and go off of that, mm-hmm. either dump it inside or kick it out for three, where Penn State's more of like, we're going to get the ball in the post and we're going to have our guys go to work, mm-hmm. where those teams are kind of just dynamically different, and it's just something that we're going to have to watch when we're coming to the NCAA tournament. Definitely. Now we're going to transition to the games coming up tonight and tomorrow.
1: Uh, we got some big games coming up. Lyndon is not going to be joining us for the rest of the show. He had to get to class being the good student that he is. Yep. Uh, but any thanks, huge thanks to Linda come on the show. We really appreciate it. But yep. to get back into it, the Wisconsin Badgers again are playing the Northwestern Wildcats. We're going to be talking a little bit about this game. Since it's a big 10 matchup, uh, it's kind of pivotal for Wisconsin, especially coming up in the big 10 tournament. They want to get a good seating. Northwestern hasn't had the greatest of seasons. I mean, they kind of had a disappointing. They're seven and 21 right now, two and 16 in the conference. Um, but ESPN, they have a 93% chance for Wisconsin to win this one. But, I mean, hey, we had Wake Forest had the same amount of percentage to
2: lose against Duke. So, I mean, NC State any, as well. anything could happen, you know. Anything can happen, especially in the Big Ten. We can't say it enough. This Big Ten conference is exciting, and we love this. We love the Big Ten. We love it. Look at the facts. Great. Maryland and Michigan State are the top two right now. Who do you think is number three? Would you guess Illinois? Because I sure wouldn't. But But that's who's third. Twenty, but I didn't realize they're third, tied with Wisconsin. And we have, like, it's surprising that Michigan is kind of on the lower end. Michigan, lower end of the conference. Michigan is nine and nine, but they're also ranked in the top. This is just crazy to my mind how many great teams we have in the Big Ten. But like you said, Joe, I completely agree. Wisconsin should have this in the bag. I say should because. Wake Forest and the nine percent. We, I mean, anything can happen. It's March. We, oh, everybody knows this. Everybody knows the narrative, but I just, mm, I hate to see. You can't see a way that they're going to lose. But I mean, Wisconsin, if they can't go, they can't start inside outside, where they start working the ball inside and yeah, then work yeah. it outside. I mean, there could be some problems, but north yeah. Northwestern but, is, is not strong enough to yeah. stick with these guys. I
1: mean, Wisconsin, they're on a five-game win streak. Yeah. They they beat three good teams in the in the Big Ten so far. I mean, Purdue, Rutgers, Michigan. I mean, Northwestern, They've in the last four out of five, they won their last one against Nebraska in an overtime winner. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm not counting them out right now. I'm just saying that, I mean, you've seen it already happen this year with Stephen F. Austin, I mean, upsetting. I think it was Duke. You see Wake Forest upsetting Duke. You see all these upsets that are happening so far. I'm not counting them out yet, but... It's going to be a very uphill and hard battle for them to beat Wisconsin, especially for where Wisconsin is at in the conference.
2: Yeah, and Wisconsin's one of those teams where they're they're just really like gritty. I mean, they there's one thing I understand about Wisconsin's program, like just just noticing things in the past, they don't get like the five-star Best guys on the on the recruiting market, you could they say. They get the role players that are gonna play for the coach. They get the role players that are gritty. They got toughness and they know their role and, and they can expand role. it. Yes, and with, that's something we're great to see because you don't have to have the top five recruits in the country have a good basketball team.
1: I mean, look at I mean that's kind of I mean that's kind of an example. Look at the last championship for Detroit for Pistons. Role players. I mean role players. Who who is on who is on the team like for. They had no huge superstars. No. I mean They had role players who did their job, who were good together and played the way played the game of basketball well and were able to get that. That's just why I'm that's why I'm happy to see Wisconsin doing so good, especially for teams like that who don't always get the the best players and get role players and guys who want to be there and who know that they're gonna have to work hard, is that they appreciate that they're there. And they realize how like a privilege how much of a privilege it is to play D one sports and for how well they're gonna play it. And I think was I think Wisconsin's gonna pull out the win against Northwestern, but I mean I'm 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 rooting for Northwestern, but Why not?
2: In why not? You know, underdog. Root for, I mean, under
1: but I I don't think they're gonna be able to I don't think they're gonna be able to No. I, I it's
2: no. it's like
1: I said, it's gonna be a very uphill battle. It's gonna be probably if they want to win this game, they're going to have to play extremely good basketball.
2: Yeah, and one thing I noticed here really quick before we move to the next game, this game's being played at nine o'clock. What? That's gross. Like I this that's terrible. Like I have a personal experience with this running or running in a Division two meet where we ran at eleven o'clock at night. That's kind of ridiculous because there's events going on from two o'clock to eleven o'clock. Was my last race. That's c- why, like, this is wild. Why are we doing all these sporting events so late? People are, it's terrible because like all these working people are want to watch the game after their long day of work, but they don't want to stay up till like midnight, midnight to watch, watch this game. game and then have to get up and possibly work the next day. Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous. But I I shouldn't go on a Tyrant, I'm sorry, but we gotta we gotta play for the working man. Yeah, you but, know what I'm saying. Yeah, we
1: just. Yeah, it it's it's tough. I mean, that's just my. I I bit. don't really like watching games that are going on late at night. But yeah, that's beside the point. But moving into our next game, the Nebraska Cornhuskers take on our Michigan Wolverines. Nebraska, same place as Northwestern on the on the standings for the Big Ten. They're two and sixteen overall in the conference. Michigan, they're nine and nine. They haven't had the best years that we've seen from them, but. I mean, Michigan, they're having a 95.6% chance of winning this game. And I think if Xavier Simpson plays well like he always does and John Teske steps it up and plays like the game that he should, I think it's going to be a pretty breezy win. But like we said before, I can't count the underdog.
2: Yeah, I I really want to see Livers get like, back to his form that he was at at the beginning of the year. I mean, he's played only 19 of the games so far, but he's been one of our leading guys. I mean, he's probably the most dynamic player we have on this team. I mean, he plays so well. He's so shifty, so crafty, but he's also strong and aggressive. He can play both of these roles. He can be that, be that guy that's gritty in the post, getting boards and stuff, but he's also that guy that can shoot the ball on a hot night and put it in the hole, especially in the corners from three. But... We need to see more of John Teske. I can't str- can't stress it enough. Like I've loved what we've seen from Austin Davis, and I wish he's wouldn't got some more minutes, especially the game against Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. But Teske's just kind of he's been streaky, and there's moments, like I said on the other podcast, where we just go, "Really, wide open layup?" Or why did you hack him on a wide open? Yeah, it, it's just like I don't. You just wonder why and, he's doing these things. And when you look at the statue, they're a pretty evenly
1: matched team. I mean. Just, by going stats alone, Nebraska is 70 points per game compared to Michigan's 75. I mean, field goal percentage, only a 5% difference, rebounds per game. They're basically at the same amount of numbers. Assists, they both have 14. It's just going to come down to Nebraska on a 14-game losing streak. Ouch. I, I I mean, it's just that mentality of just like... I've been a part of those teams that like have like... I mean, Brandon can attest. We both play each other against each other in high school, but... We've been like I've been a part of those teams that like haven't had a lot of like success like for a long period of time, and when you go into those games where you're already beat, it's gonna come down to their mentality on whether they can win this game. Hopefully they don't win this game. I think Michigan has it. I don't want to say in the bag because I don't want to jinx it, but I think Michigan has a very good chance of winning this if game. If
2: they don't win this game, we're gonna be in deep water. I really like, be... realistically, but no, I I understand what you're saying, Joe. Like I I've been a part of a team like that as well where. The narrative is almost like don't
1: believe him. His high school team was good at everything.
2: No, you, okay. <laughs> Basketball is one thing. Soccer was a different thing. All right, Soccer, we're getting off track. We're getting we're off track. getting uh, struggling. But I I, I what I, my point is there. It's hard to play a game when you know you don't have talent to, to have the talent to win, and you don't have the the mentality that mm-hmm. we are a better team. It's hard to do that because. These guys are all really blue chip guys. Realistically, I mean they they've shot 32% from three this year, 58 from the free throw line. They they just can't put the ball in the hole. So, I mean, Wild Night, who knows? But uh, Michigan should have this in the bag. This is this is a prime game to get back on track, especially now that we got Maryland coming up.
1: Definitely, that's gonna be probably it for the college side of sports. Now we're gonna be kind of coming into the breaking news. I was really excited to cover this particular story. Oh yeah, uh, famed filmmaker, probably one of the most famous sports fans, most famous Knicks fans you ever seen. Spike Lee is now boycotting the Knicks after a spat over at the entrance that he wants to take in. Spike Lee, ha- who has been a a diehard Knicks fan for years, had that had that spat with Reggie Miller when um I think it was when uh. They were playing each other in the fine not the finals, but in like the I think it was the Eastern Conference Finals, or when the Knicks were playing the Pacers. Yeah, it was the Eastern Conference Finals. He's been an iconic part of that franchise, even though he's just a fan. He's been an iconic, uh, iconic piece. But it stems from he does not want to. He wants to use the VIP employee entrance.
2: Uh. Well. Okay. So I, I think, yeah, Brandon, you, you yeah, got a little, so bit more it, the people that haven't heard about this. So he, this is kind of the synopsis of what happened during this whole thing. Spike Lee is, went through his normal entrance, which I believe was on 31st street or 33rd, one of the two. He's used the employee's entrance for 28 years. So yeah. He's used the same entrance for 28 years and that's what he keeps putting up. He keeps revisiting, but The, the, where the whole confusion happened is he was confronted before getting in or when he was in the elevator that he should not be in that entrance where Spike attested that I've been using this entrance for 28 years. Why are you doing this now? And the whole thing got to where he went up to the fifth floor and then there's confrontation again that led to the video of him yelling all the stuff about why wasn't I told this? What's going on? I'm done. This was is... he confronted by like Nick's staff. He was, um, he was confronted by security again, like four or five guys on the the fifth floor, which is where the elevator goes up to the fifth floor. That's where the garden is, is on the fifth floor. So the basic thing about this whole thing was this whole confrontation happened. He ended up going to the game anyway. I believe he went up on the sixth floor and his buddies like helped him escort down there or whatever. But James Dolan went down. At halftime to talk to him, while everybody is looking at the halftime performance or whatever, they my question: Why would you do that? I'll I'll get to that in a minute, but basically, why would you confront
1: Spike? Or why would you why would you do that
2: during halftime, where everybody is going to see you and everything that's reacted is going to be seen, and that's going to create all these things? But he what the by what Spike said is that James Dolan came down and said, "Can we talk?" But Spike said i don't want to talk about anything but he's and almost he kind of was like well what do you want to talk about and he said you know what i want to talk about and he's like well i'm not going to talk about that and then he kind of went on this thing about i've been using this entrance for 28 years why are you why did you change this now and if you did change it okay but why wasn't i notified about this and then he went on a little um Side note about how he pays his tickets every year, and if he's a day late, then they go absolutely crazy and blow up his phone until he answers. So he's confused why he wasn't alerted about this, but I think the spark that what happened is he said, now you know, at the end of the conversation, and then the Knicks came out with a statement that said he used the wrong entrance, where he went berserk and said, I've been using the same entrance. So who's I the see, who's the culprit in this situation? They said that he used a different entrance? No, he used he was, the wrong one is what they said even though he's used the same one. Somebody not, either did not tell him or this is some sort of even so, scandal or something. Even so,
1: he's been one of your most most touted fans. That's what he's been an iconic part of the franchise. Why would you why would you go off on him like that? Why I, would you be like you can like you can't do like Make Just make him angry. Like, yeah. Why would you do that?
2: I don't understand, and I, I'm going to be a little bit aggressive right now. Why is James Dolan still the owner of this team? I don't understand why these problems haven't been solved. Charles Oakley gets arrested in the, in the arena. Now this whole thing happens. The coaches get into some argument back when Phil Jackson was there. There is something wrong with Dolan or his staff or something because I don't know if you guys have noticed, none of these other things are happening to other teams, but he is still there. And the matter of the fact is their new president was announced that day, but we don't get to talk about Leon Rose. We talk about Spike Lee in this whole incident. Yeah. And I think
1: it just to make it clear, because I, Think I'm confused on this. They didn't tell him, like if they told him where to go, he would do it, or is it just because they didn't tell him
2: and then they got mad at him for it? Well, they well, I here's what here's what they said. This is a statement from the New York Knicks. They said that he went there was a misunderstanding for what entrance Spike was supposed to go into. But Spike says they were. I was never notified that they were going to change yeah, the entrance. because
1: because in the statement it says, we have repeatedly asked him not to use our employee entrance and instead use a dedicated VIP
2: entrance, which is used by every other celebrity who enters the garden. And now they're... Here's the thing that gets me is now they're saying... They're fighting back almost against Spike and saying that he's the victim. That's that's just crazy. That's disappointing. Like, why is he doing this? But it's like...
1: You, you kind of think he isn't... Empl- like, I mean, he's not, but it's like... You kind of gotta treat him like one, kind of, just because of how long he's been a fan and just how he's like never, never, never went away from the New York Knicks, even how bad they are this year. Like
2: the New York Knicks have been a travesty of a franchise the last twenty plus years. And quoting Stephen A. Smith on the day, or I believe it was the day after Kevin Durant, and Kyrie, that when they went decided to go to Brooklyn, and he said that Brooklyn has accomplished more than the Knicks have in three years compared to their last 20. and It's true. It's true. What's the source of this problem? Well, they've gotten rid of coaches. They've gotten rid of GMs. They've gotten rid of players. Who's still there? The owner. James Dolan is still there. Why? I don't know, but I feel like he's the problem. There's been too many problems with him in the ownership, and I don't want to pull this card, but... He didn't necessarily like fight to get this job; it was handed to him by his dad. So, you wonder if he was ready for this situation. And like I said, he's he was definitely probably ready for the situation. I'm probably just just going off of a little bit of a um, hair or something. But mm-hmm. you question why there hasn't been an ownership change or anything, and I, it's got to be because he's got the money or something. It's just crazy. He, he must have um, an upper hand on something. I don't but. I don't understand why this whole thing is still happening. I mean, it's just frustrating to see the New York Knicks struggle and it hasn't changed. Yeah. But I
1: it's just a it's
2: just a weird situation.
1: Yeah. I feel like right now it's just like a he said, she said or it's like two accounts that are trying to get people to side with them right now. I mean we haven't really learned too much, like we haven't really gotten in excuse me, my nose getting stuffed up for some reason. Oh, but good. I feel like it's like a situation where we don't know who to believe yet,
2: because yeah. everyone
1: wants to side with Spike. We need more. We need more but to this story. To I feel like once more evidence is said, because Spike, from what I understand, says he was never notified. Correct. But the Knicks say that they repeatedly asked him. Yeah. So
2: Somebody's... I don't know if one side's like just trying to. This is these are two conflicting sources that we got going on. So one of them and, is I wrong. I mean,
1: one one thing that's going for the next. Why wouldn't Spike just use the VIP entrance?
2: I don't know. He's I feel said, like it's a nicer I, entrance than the than the employee entrance. I don't know. He said I've used the same one for 28 years, and I why would I stop now if I wasn't told to do use a different one? But yeah, anyway, I, it makes it makes this, it makes not a lot of sense. Yeah, but this story's still developing and everything, but. We will we'll
1: definitely, we'll definitely be bringing updates. Yeah, we'll bring back this
2: one. But moving on into our last topic, we got the Warriors.
1: Steph, having having a terrible year so far. Oh, it's
2: been it's been not the prettiest of years for the Warriors. But Steph Curry is, um, he's played in the G League, but now there is word he is officially being, you could say reinstated or whatever.
1: He's being brought back up, brought, brought
2: of, up back up to the majors. He's getting ready to play the big league, big leagues. So the question is, what do the Warriors do for the rest of the season with Steph? I feel like because
1: they have the number one pick locked up, or not yet? Not yet. But they I mean, proje- they're projected to get the number one pick. Yes. So I don't know. If I was them, if I was the Warriors, I'd say, I know Steph wants to get back, but like I'd try to like play him light and then lock up that number one pick because there's so many things that you can do with that number one pick. Yeah. There's. You have a lot of guys that are going to be declaring for the draft that you could get, or you could trade away that number one pick, two teams to get players that they desperately need.
2: Yeah, and looking at their lineup, Draymond and Steph are pretty much there, and Clay. I forgot about Clay too. Well, but, Clay's out for the season, yeah, so he's not going to be able to. Yeah, but going into next season, I'm saying yeah. it's true. Those are pretty much the three that are locked up. What they're going to do at center or um, small forward, the three, whatever you want to call it, is kind of the question. They have Eric Pascal. They got Damian Lee at shooting guard right now. They got Jordan Poole, who's developing. Kai Bowman's kind of been a, a impressive addition to this team. I think um, Jordan Poole
1: is going to be a really good addition to them. If they, I think he should be sent down. Like once they, once Steph gets back. Like I mean, not when he gets back up, but like I feel
2: like he needs to develop more. This is, in I, my opinion, but I feel like personally, when Clay comes back next year and if they sign a guard or they they draft a guard which is, or, it's or possible, trade or
1: trade away the pick for a guard or whatever or something
2: like that he might want to leave because he's not going to be able he's not going to he's not, not going
1: to be able to even if he does develop he's not going to be able to break into that
2: yeah he's not going to play like he's not going to be playing substantial minutes like he is right now it'll be
1: like when uh, mo wagner was on the lakers
2: yeah oh i completely forgot about andrew wiggins but he's there he's their small forward right now but Really, their the bit the center is where they've kind of been question marks. They have kavan Looney. He hit. He's been kind of. A, I wouldn't say a cap like hit, but he does cost a little bit of money. So my guess, this is just a random guess, is would they draft somebody like James Wiseman and put him at the five for the you for the so? future? It's completely possible. There's it, been mock drafts it's a to sal- say that. It's a solid. It's a solid take, but. I don't think that's going to happen because there's Cause a lot it, of talent above him. When they come him. back,
1: when they, man, my nose is just messed up today. <laughs> when they come back from this season, next season they're gonna be, they're gonna be a contender in the West again. Oh right? yeah, for sure. And any rookie, I mean, it's a very tough thing to find a breed of rookies that when they are thrown into like a situation where they need to excel, like if James Wiseman went in, I bet he'd be the starting center. Because, I mean, they don't really have... I mean, yeah. he'd, he'd would, probably be able to beat would they sh-
2: out... They would probably have to ship out either Marquise Chris and Kavon Looney.
1: Yeah. Because
2: having both of them with Wiseman is kind of... I wouldn't say like a full waste, but they can get assets out of either of those guys. They don't need to keep three solid centers. Yeah. Especially for how much they use guards, because they predominantly use three guard backcourts like the most only, out of the, the end. I the only
1: ending. reason that they'd want to get a solid center is for if they're getting locked up on the outside... Or just rebounds. Yeah,
2: which I thought that was interesting. That's why I wanted to share it. I mean, I believe that Anthony Edwards is the front runner right now. That he might go to them, assuming that they lock up the number one pick and something crazy hap- or something crazy doesn't happen and some team loses twenty in a row or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's int-
1: surprised, though because he's a shooting guard, so I don't know if they'll keep him there. Yeah, well,
2: it it'd be you wonder if they're gonna go with. Draymond and Wiggins as their big guys And then just go mm-hmm. three out with their guards Because it, it's possible, we've seen that before Yeah, Cole Anthony too is in the talks for it as well Cole Anthony is in the talks there He's been kind of up and down this year I actually heard a rumor Detroit should consider taking Cole Anthony Really? I, yeah, I do not know how I felt about that Because I don't, I don't feel like There's just, it's hard for anybody to be like I want to go to Detroit Unless you're from Michigan and you want to stay there Like Donovan Peoples Jones was a firm believer uh, going into this draft. If he can go to the Lions, that'd be a dream come true. He's grown up wanting to wear the blue and gray. He's dreamed wearing the gray pants and the blue jerseys. he's a good, he's a good guy. So I don't know if he'll, yeah. if he'll stay
1: around till the you, Lions.
2: Yeah, him. you wonder how many of these guys are gonna be like, yeah, I'll go to the Pistons. Like this is my dream. Where they're like, no, I want to go to New York, L.A. I want to go to the a uh, big market town where I am the focal point and I am the guy. On the street and that's signing autographs left and right. Well, where you're,
1: where you're gonna get where people will try to stop like stop you to get a picture or whatever. But yeah,
2: but I mean, probably not now with the the coronavirus. But we're, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get into that in the next episode. But it's just a very interesting thing. There's a hundred different ways. It's like the NFL draft L- as Lamello well. Lamelo Ball is in, in talks for me too. Lamelo Ball's up there as well. I per, I mean he might go to a different. I don't know if Golden State wants him there. I don't, think he'll, n- I don't there. think
1: he'll be number one.
2: I don't know if Golden State could There's take lot Ball. There's a lot of
1: talk. There's a lot of talk about LaMelo Ball, but being being number one. But if Golden State locks it up, I don't think he'll be the number one. I think he'll probably – he'll most definitely be a top five. But I don't think he'll be a number one. I don't – I don't want it to be – because I feel like if he was number one, there would be so much hype. And, like, he has a lot of pressure already with his dad and, like, Lonzo and, like, what he's done and stuff. Like, is he going to – be a bust is he gonna be like Lonzo is he gonna be better than Lonzo like
2: I don't know yeah and um I'm I have the NBA draft.net their recent mock draft pulled up right here Golden State has Anthony Edwards and uh, ironically Atlanta has James Wiseman number two which I think that's kind of he James Wiseman's kind of been like he's either way high in the drafts or he falls like I mean leaving Memphis and this whole thing you don't really know how he's going to do but LaMelo Ball at three to New York honestly why not? He's good. He's going to be good. He's already showed he's can play professional basketball since he went overseas. He's,
1: he's really changed the way he's played too. Oh, he's, absolutely. He's, he's
2: much more pass first. Absolutely. He's p- much more dynamic now. He's not just the guy that's gonna jack up shots and try to be the focal point and try to score ninety two. He definitely is more of a
1: like a court general now, where he controls the floor. He knows where everyone's at. Like he's he shows like with his court vision, he shows flares of uh, Jason Williams.
2: Yeah. It, wow, that's a that's a pretty good comparison. I'd love to see another Jason Williams. little white chocolate. Dude, Couldn't, Pat, I love
1: seeing past Dude, like, he's
2: got the craziest highlights ever.
1: Ridiculous. But. Absolutely ridiculous. That's going to be it for today's show, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, huge thanks to Lyndon for coming on the show. We really appreciate yeah, him coming out. Absolutely. Making the time. Had to get there to class. Um, but... We're gonna be trying something a little bit different. Spring break is coming up next weekend, or excuse- next, week. <laughs> yeah, next week. Yeah, next week. That's my my apologies. Um, so we're just gonna to try to get one episode out for you guys next week. Um, we're yeah. still not sure on the day. Just stay tuned for that. Yeah. Um, but
2: but if you guys have any questions or anything about the show, we will probably be answering them on Twitter. So go follow us at the MVSP. We're gonna to try to at least get one episode out next week over our spring break. So be stick to- stay tuned for that. Joe, it's been a good day.
1: Very good show, everybody.
2: What? We will see you after spring break. Yep. See you guys.